Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Thanks for being with us. If you're watching us online this morning, we want to greet you in the strong name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. If you're watching online, we, we really appreciate you worshiping with us, but we would, we, we invite you to, we, we hope to see you one of these Sundays back in person at one of our three services. As a matter of fact, next Sunday, if you're watching online, would be a great time to rejoin us. Next Sunday, we're kind of calling it Back to Church Sunday. It's been months and months and months since maybe many of us have been back uh, in person, and so next Sunday, our kids' programming kicks off. So if you are at home looking for a sign, waiting for when is it a good time to come back, next Sunday would be awesome. So 8, 45, 10, 11, 15, um, just come on back. I want to stop and just before we kind of wrap up this Peeled series, as we talk about next Sunday, we're going to be launching into a brand new series called All Grown Up. We're going to go through the book of James, seven weeks through the book of James. Now... In order for us to really get the most of this, on your way out today, as you head out, I've, we, we've got a little bookmark for you. They're multicolored, so there's orange and blue. Pick your favorite color. But we've taken the book of James, and we want you to start this Monday. So tomorrow, we just want you to go Monday through Friday. You're going to read about four or five verses a day through the book of James. And then we're going to read through the whole book together. So as we study this, as we preach on it, as we do this in life groups, as we have you read individually, I think God's got a great, a great plan for us as we go through the book of James. So on your way out, grab one of your bookmarks and we'll start reading tomorrow. Hey, today we cross the finish line on this series called Peeled, the Fruit of the Holy Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and tell them at last. <laughs> yeah. Nine weeks on two verses, and I know it's been a long time, but hasn't God unpacked some pearls of wisdom? I mean, haven't we looked at this and gone, I know I have. I know I've been like, Lord, thank you for reminding me that when I'm peeled apart, uh, when things happen to me, that these are the things that ought to be flowing out of my life. So for the last time, let's read it together. Read it out loud with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now let's leave it up for just a second. Do, do you see the first word? But. Now anytime a sentence starts with the word but, it ought to make you pause because but is a conjunction and we remember from the old conjunction junction what's your function that conjunctions hook clauses phrases and words right they, they, so, so so what we've been doing the last nine weeks is supposedly it's connected to something and what what is it connect what is the fruit of the spirit connected to well it's the previous three verses so let me show you what this fruit of the Spirit is connected to. Let me show you the previous three verses. Look at Galatians 5, look at 19, 20, and 21. Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. 
I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, so in Galatians 5, we have a coin, we have a two-sided coin. Heads is the fruit of the Spirit, and that's what we spent nine weeks on. But there's a tails to this coin, and that's the works of the flesh. And maybe someday we need to do a, a series on that, right? But, but let me just remind you what the works of the flesh, what Paul is joining the fruit of the Spirit to. He's joining it to the works of the flesh. Let me just remind you about the works of the flesh. Paul says that my nature, my original nature is fallen, and it's sinful. Look, look at just some of what's on the list. I'm immoral, impure, jealous, angry, envious, drunken, carnal, and he says, and, and so much more, things like these. Paul says our natural inclination is what? It's dark. You and I, we all have a dark side. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you nasty. You've been waiting a long time to tell them that. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you nasty too. Yeah. Because that's what Paul is saying. He's saying we all have this sinful, fallen, nasty self, right? And you can put lipstick on it, you can curl its hair, but it's there. It's mean, it's ugly, and that sin nature is nasty. And I want you to know something. When you become a Christian, it's not like this sin nature moves out. It's not like the sin nature checks into rehab for eight weeks and comes back reformed and civilized. No, no. That sin nature will stay nasty your whole life. And you will carry it your entire life. And the power of the sin nature, the power of the flesh is really incredible. Now, one of my many weaknesses, <laughs> and I have many, one of my many weaknesses is my love of donuts. I've never met a bad one, right? Never met a bad donut. But a few years ago, my wife and our youngest daughter, we went to Las Vegas. We wanted to see the lights. We saw a few shows and just kind of walked around and saw the city. And while we were there, it was during the NCAA Sweet 16 brackets, the college basketball championships, right? And I thought while I was out in Vegas, I would do my own bracket. I'd pit donut against donut. And I would crown a donut champion of the world. So I hit every bakery, every donut shop in and around Las Vegas, pitting their best donuts against another bakery's best donuts. I was going to see whose cuisine reigns supreme. I, I posted the bracket on Facebook. I, I need therapy. I need a lot of help in my life. How many of you remember that? Do any of you remember? Okay, several of you remember, right? What I never told you was the last bakery that I went to, I saved for last, because I heard it was the best donut place in all of Vegas. It's called Donut Mania. And if you ever find yourself in Las Vegas, you've got to stop at Donut Mania. It's like going to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. There were donuts I had never been ever introduced to in my whole life. There was creme brulee. Ooh. There was mint cream filled. There was giant blueberry fritter. And I, I was in, like, I, I was, I, I was, it was awesome. And I, I was there for like 40 minutes just looking. And I walked out of that donut shop with $50 in donuts. 
Now, normally, I would take that box back to the hotel, and the girls were still asleep, and I'd wake them up, but I got to the car, and I had to park in this little alley. I'm in the alley in the car with this box of donuts going to town, just going to town. All of a sudden, there's a tap on my window, and there's a policeman right at my window, and I've, I'm, I roll the window down. I've got glaze all over my face cream filling in my beard and he looks at me and he says kind of early isn't it <laughs> I said I guess he said how many you had there <laughs> just one that's <laughs> the last time I, mean, I thought I was gonna get busted for you know, donuts I don't but but I just I just I just love them right and, and so that's just the pull of the flesh now your cravings your sinful nature and it can run from mildly disturbing to daringly dark. That's, that's how the flesh can run. I mean, maybe it's donuts, maybe it's shopping, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's alcohol or drugs, maybe it's approval. Maybe it's you have this need that you've got to be a size four, maybe it's pride, maybe it's prejudice. But man, Paul says in Galatians 5 that we all have a dark side. We all have this sinful nature. Now that's the bad news. I don't know about you, but I need some good news, right? I know, I know about the power of the flesh. I need some good news. The good news is when Jesus finds you, when Jesus applies his blood to your life, when he becomes your Lord and Savior, not only are you forgiven, but a new sheriff comes to town. And, and, and that's the flip side of this coin, the power of the Holy Spirit, right? When the Spirit of God moves into your life, He brings a pantry of power. He brings this arsenal of spiritual artillery. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. That's the power that pushes back. That's the, the artillery that you use to fight back against the carnal nature of the flesh. And that's what we've been doing these last nine weeks, you know, so, so we come to this last piece of artillery, this last aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, this idea of self-control. Now, because God gives it to us, God wants us to control our flesh. God will give you the tools to push back against the flesh. He will give you the power to curb your cravings. <clears throat> self-control. Let's think about it. It's not natural. Self-control doesn't come easy. It's not what's natural is for my flesh to cry out, feed me. What's natural is for that broken sin nature to, to hoot and holler and to say, look at me and pay attention to me. And there are a lot of things that I can't control. I can't control traffic on the gene. I can't control who wins an election. I can't control whether or not they play football in the fall. But with the help of Jesus, what I do know is I can control myself. With his help, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with his idea of self-control, I can say to the flesh, no. I don't have to fall to every whim and to every craving that my fallen nature says look at or feed. I can tell the flesh to stop. I can refocus my mind. I can turn off the computer. I can distance myself from ungodly influences. But this thing, this idea of self-control doesn't originate with me. It only comes when I stay connected to Jesus. That's how self-control flows in my life. A living, <clears throat> healthy, 
relationship with Jesus Christ, self-control, listen to me, it can make or it can break you. Look at Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken is a man who lacks self-control. Now that's tight. That, that, is, that is really wise. Solomon says, picture a city <clears throat> that has no outer wall. Or if it does have an outer wall, there are these huge gaping holes in the wall. He says, man, an enemy can just waltz in unopposed. An enemy can just come in anytime it wants to, to ravage the city because there's nothing to stop it. And that's what he says, a man or a woman without self-control is exactly like that city. The flesh can beat you down anytime it wants. Now, what I find interesting, it's one thing to write that, it's another thing to live it. I wish Solomon would have paid attention to what he, what he wrote to himself. Because, I mean, at the very end of his life, that's what took him down, the lack of self-control. His flesh and his lust and his cravings overcame him to where he, he didn't live the way God wanted him to live. So this idea of self-control is really, really important to us. And I, wanna, I just want to give you one, one um, handle today. I want to show you what it takes for self-control to take root. Again, you can't grow it. You can't will it. It comes from your relationship with Jesus, but I'm going to show you where, 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 where it grows best. I'm going to show you where God fertilizes self-control, and here it is. If self-control is ever going to take root in your life, man, it will only do it if you learn how to take a hit. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to learn to take a hit. Tell them. you got to learn to take a hit. That's how it grows. you got to be willing to deal with some pain. you got to be willing to take a hit. Paul says it in this Galatians 5 passage when he's talking about fruit of the Spirit versus the, the, the works of the flesh. Listen to what he says in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross. They've crucified them. My passions, my cravings, my lusts, wants to be fed, it wants to be coddled, it wants to be kept nice and cozy. And Paul says, man, you've got to be willing to crucify that. You've got to be willing to take a hit. You've got to be willing to deal with some pain. You've got to be able to say to your lustful desires, no, I am putting you on the cross. No, I'm not bowing to you any longer. you just got to crucify that flesh. It, it all boils down to this. Who's calling the shots in your life? Who do you live for? Who do you serve? Do you serve God or do you serve the flesh? Does God call the shots or do you call the shots? When we read through the list, and we read through it, the list, the, the deeds of the flesh, the works of the flesh, there were a whole bunch of them. And when we read through it, I don't know which ones caught your eye. I bet you there was one that slipped right by you. There was one on the list that probably doesn't get a lot of press today. Do you remember? It was idolatry. Talks, that, that's one of the works of idolatry. Idolatry is such an old-fashioned kind of term today, right? But idolatry is really, it's, it, it really is the issue of self-control. Idolatry is idolatry because we don't control the self. Will I bow to self or will I bow to Jesus? And I, I, one, of the, one of the greatest examples of 
of how idolatry and self-control are linked is, is the old account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you remember those three Hebrew boys? If you don't remember that story, let me just remind you of it. They, 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 these boys were taken as slaves. They were carted off with their best friend, Daniel. They were taken as prisoners of war. And, and the Bible tells us that in this pagan land, they, they found favor with the king and with his associates. And they were invited to come into the king's academy where they prospered. Now think about that. These prisoners of war are living a good life. They had things. They were making a name for themselves. They were holding on to their faith. They were praying. They were keeping their religious faith as best as they could. But one day something happened that broke all of that. Daniel chapter 3 tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar made a giant idol of himself. And he put the idol up and he made the decree that an orchestra is going to come and they're going to play a lot of music. And after they play the music, everyone is to bow down and to worship my image and to praise my name. And right here, the three boys run into a problem. They know that this is a line that if they cross, man, according to their faith, they would break the law of God. They knew what God said, don't have any other gods before me, don't bow to the idol. And you talk about a battle between the flesh and the spirit. You talk about how that battle was waged, man, that was intense. The flesh would have cried out to these three boys, wait, 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 you've got it made. You are excelling, you are living such a good life, don't mess this up. It's not that big of a deal. How about this? Bow on the outside, but stand on the inside. You could, you could do that. You, you could just go through the motions, but then in your heart say, God, but you are my God, and I'm just doing this to get along with everybody. See, that was the flesh. But the Spirit would have been tugging at them and, and, and whispering to them, bowing is bowing. If you bow, you will cross a line. Trust the Lord. Don't drop to your knees. So do you see this battle between flesh and spirit? Do you see this battle between comfort and pain? Well, you remember what happened. They, they didn't bow. They, they refused to bow. And people saw that. And people rallied against them. And people hated them because they didn't bow. And who do you think you are? And word got back to the king, and the king called them in, and he said, Now listen, I don't know if I believe what I've heard. I wasn't there to see it, but I heard that you're not bowing to my image. So I, I won't take their word for it, but here's what I am going to do. We're going to run through this again, and I'm going to be there to watch. <clears throat> Music's going to play. <clears throat> you're going to bow. And if you don't, I'm going to put you in this furnace and burn you extra crispy. So the choice is now yours. Now, did the boys have to go home and think about it? Did they have to talk? Did they have to pray about it? No, 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 no. Right there on the spot, this is what they say. Look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. <clears throat> if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you your majesty, that we will never, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. That's self-control. Idolatry is fought 
in the battlefield of self-control. These boys were willing to take a hit. These boys were willing to endure a whole lot of pain. They stood up to the flesh. They stood up to the desires of their minds to have the kind of life they wanted. They stood up to that voice that said, everybody will understand. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. They stood up and they said no. No matter what you say, flesh, no matter how hard you drive us, we know what's right, we know what's wrong, and we will not cave, we will not bow. And they were thrown into the fire, but you remember the story, man, God saved them. God delivered them. And they, uh, they were able to be saved because they were willing to take a hit. You know what? We need Christians today. We need Christians today who are willing to stand up and take the hit. We need Christian men and women to stand up today and say, I, I will exhibit self-control. We need young Christian couples. You know what we need? We need young Christian couples to rise up and to say, I know all of our friends are living together. I know the culture says living together is no big deal. I know we'll save money, but we need young Christian couples to stand up and say, no, I'm willing and we're willing to take the hit. We won't live together. We will do things God's way. And let me just say this. Why would God honor? I'm not saying that if you live together that God no longer loves you. He loves you. But why would God honor? Why would God bless you for not walking in the spirit, but for craving, you know, bowing to the cravings of your flesh? We need young couples to learn to stand up and take the hit. We need young college students to stand up and to say, I know everybody's cheating on the online campus experience. I, I, I know I'll never get caught. I, I know I, if I don't get a good grade, I might have to take the class over again. But what we need is we need young college Christians to stand up and say, no, 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 I'm willing to take the hit. I will not cheat. I will not cast suspicion on my character. Now, again, if you cheat, God won't stop loving you. But again, why would God honor you for bowing to the cravings of your flesh and not for walking in the spirit? We need to learn how to take a hit. We need to learn how to deal with pain. If we're going to embrace self-control, that, that comes through learning to take the hit. Now listen, it doesn't mean, taking the hit doesn't mean that you're never tempted. Oh no, you'll be tempted. It doesn't mean you might not think about it. It doesn't mean you might get a little weak in the knees from time to time. What it means is at the end of the day, you buck up. You make the hard call, you deny the flesh, you pin it to the cross, and you walk by the Spirit. And we need married couples to learn how to take the hit. We need married couples to learn how to deal with pain. I know he's gained 50 pounds and snores like a freight train. I know she doesn't compliment you like she used to, and she's a shopaholic. I know other people get divorced and they move on. I know marriage is defined in lots of different ways. But we need Christian couples to stand up, to take the hit, to keep their vows, to go to counseling, to figure it out, to deny the flesh, and to walk in the Spirit. Learn to take the hit. We need Christians to stand up and to say, I know my flesh wants all of these things. The latest and the greatest gadgets. Who wouldn't want the newest boat? Who wouldn't want the giant house and the jet skis? Who wouldn't want the $500 yoga pants, right? 
But to be able to have all of that and to be able to say we don't have any savings, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs, I can't afford to tithe, what God wants you to hear is take the hit. Pare down, control the urge to spend, honor the Lord with the tithe, bring it into his storehouse, and watch what walking in the power of the Spirit can do instead of craving to the desires of the flesh. And self-control is cultivated, it's fertilized in this field of learning how to deal with pain and learning how to take the hit. Now listen, I've just burned through a whole bunch of hay. I've, I, I, it's, that's been some pretty harsh, some pretty heavy things. And maybe you're here this morning. And maybe you're living together. Or maybe you did. And maybe you're here this morning and you've, you cheated on an exam last night. Or you did last semester. Maybe this morning you, you've gone through a divorce or you're going through one right now. Maybe this morning your finances are upside down. I want you to hear something from me. I am not throwing shame your way. We all have our stuff. We all have idols. We've all got places where the flesh cries out to us and pulls us. But listen to me. We've got to stop living like our culture. We've got to stop worshiping and craving and bowing to the desires of the flesh. Christianity was never meant to be easy, and we've made it easy. And as Christians, we can say what we want to say. We can type what we want to type. We can go where we want to go, and we've just made it easy. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, part of that is denying your flesh. Part of that is denying your flesh, picking up your cross, and crucifying yourself on it. Holy Spirit will help you develop this ability of self-control. It comes from Him, but only, only in the field of learning how to take the hit. So for the last time, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self self-control against such things there is no law let's pray